When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another Books of the Year podcast from your good friends at Books of the Year, the podcast, which likes to feature books of the year. Yes, that's right. I think it's fair to say (laughs) this year is a bit early for a retrospective, but we have had, just looking back on the list, we have have had some brilliant authors. Yeah, we have. Uh, I mean, obviously the year far from over. Uh, Loads of great authors have been joining us um, and there's plenty more to come over the next couple of months. Uh, We've got Terry Hayes, for example, Uh, his long-awaited follow-up to I Am Pilgrim. It's called Year of the Locust. It's rather large. Um, And international bestseller John Boyne is going to be talking about his new book, Water. Uh, But we thought we'd just take um, a brief break from the norm this week and have a look back at some of the brilliant books that we've featured uh, so far and attempt to pick some of our favourite books of the year. So obviously we'll do a a proper what was your favourite when we do December shows. Yes. Um, But before we get to the books that we have featured, is there anything that you've read which you think is worth waving a flag for that we you know, that we might have missed. Yes. So, um, as you know, I also am um, uh, a judge for the William Hill Sports Book of the Year prize. And uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've announced our long list of 18. And frankly, if you look at that long list of 18 and uh, you're, you've got a long train journey ahead of you, any of those 18 are worth your time. However, I'm going to pick out a couple of them. Now, I should say, this is not me saying that these either of these two titles are going to win because we haven't picked the winner yet and won't be picking it until uh, back end of November. But uh, if you see these in your bookshop, I would I would go for them. The first one is a book called Nazare, uh, which is a surfing book. And it is worth saying right from the start, you don't need to know anything about surfing. You don't need to be interested in surfing. I am not. Um, but this is a phenomenal piece of work. The reason why... So Nazare is a point on the Portuguese coast which has these amazing waves. There's a a famous documentary called uh, The 100-Foot Wave, which has been on Sky. I think it's on HBO as well, uh, where where they spend time with the surfers who are trying to catch this 100-foot wave. And Matt Magendi basically spent um, a season with these surfers. And he's talked to all the surfers. He's gained uh, their trust, but he's also talked to uh, the people who live in the village. It's a Portuguese li- um, fishing village, Nazaré, and the impact that all these surfers suddenly descending on the town has made. The other reason why it's you might know it, Nazaré, even though you might think you don't, is um, all the pictures of the of the waves at Nazaré always feature this big, bold, red lighthouse in the foreground. And it's such an arresting scene that it's always used uh, in, in the newspapers and things like that. And it, it, indeed, that's on the front cover. But the, the book is, the, the writing is phenomenally good. Uh, he's talked to everyone. He's talked to the surfers who are there who are doing it now. But also, he's talked to those who did the surfing and then never went back. And... That, to be honest, is the best part of the book because these surfers are telling you how it how it physically felt in the seconds 
before everything went dark. In other words, they're hit by this ton of concrete in the form of water um, that's that's rearing up behind them, and they are taken under, and they genuinely believe that's it. Uh, I'm about to die, and the thoughts going that, that are racing through their minds just before it goes black. Um, that that is a it, basically it's worth reading it just for that passage alone. Uh, so that's Matt Magendi and Nazare. The other book I would suggest is a book called On Days Like These, and really the the sort of the premise of this book is that it's the story of Les Seeley, who was the Manchester United keeper. You might remember, and by the way, you don't need to be a fan of Manchester United or football or sport at all to enjoy this book. But Les Seeley was the um, Manchester United reserve keeper. And in 1990, Manchester United obviously were not as successful as they were about to be through the 90s. Alex Ferguson was in danger of losing his job. They get to the FA Cup final against Crystal Palace and it ends in a draw. So obviously it would go to a replay. Jim Layton was in goal for Manchester United. And he had been Ferguson's keeper at Aberdeen. Uh, Ferguson trusted him. But he decided, I'm going to switch keepers for the replay, which was a very bold move. And Les Seeley came in, played a blinder. Man United won the FA Cup. Uh, it's since been made clear that if United had lost that FA Cup final, Ferguson would have been sacked because that would have been four years and they'd had enough. As we all know, Ferguson then goes on to have this amazing career. So that's the premise of the book, which if it were just that, I wouldn't be recommending it. Here's the reason why. The writing in this book is phenomenal. And the book does not start with the FA Cup final or anything to do with Les's football career. It starts in a house where Les has left football and he is doing up this house because that's going to be his pension. Um, he's uh, going to be selling these, he's turning these houses around, he's doing a bit of DIY in the houses and he turns around. He's alone in this house and he's in the kitchen and someone punches him in the back and he wheels around in the kitchen and there's no one there. And the reason there's no one there is because he's having a heart attack. And he immediately realises he's having a heart attack and thinks, right, I need to get an ambulance. Oh, no, I'm not going to call for an ambulance because it's probably just indigestion. I'll be fine. I'll get myself to hospital. So he gets into his Bentley outside and decides to drive to A&E. And that first chapter is the journey that he takes to A&E. He's four miles away, two miles away, one mile away. He gets to A&E and the act of opening the car door kills him. And that is a, it is an arresting beginning to a book. Uh, but as I say, it's the writing. He dies and his son, Joe Seeley, who's also a goalkeeper, picks up the story. Joe struggles with his dad's death. He struggles to cope with it. He um, falls into a drink and drug addiction. And at one point, a doctor comes to see him and Joe opens up to this doctor and says, I blame myself for my father's death. Um, that's why I'm in the position I am. And this doctor looks at him in the eyes and says, I can't tell you that that's not true, which is jaw dropping from a medical professional. Um, Le uh, Joe is then uh, working as a as a goalkeeping coach and he's at uh, the sidelines watching a match one day when a guy approaches him and says, I've got your dad's book. And Joe says, my dad never wrote a book. And this guy says, no, he didn't, but I worked with him 
Uh, I'm a French teacher and I thought he had a story to tell. So I got him to talk about his life on a series of cassette tapes. And I've got those cassette tapes and I think you should have your dad's cassette tapes. And those cassette tapes form the basis of the book. It is phenomenal. Um, like I say, you don't need to know anything about sport. You don't need to know anything about Manchester United football, surfing, anything at all. If you decide not to pick those up because you don't know those things, you are missing out. Those are two stellar books. Who is the author of the second one? So the second one is written by a guy called Tim Rich, who's obviously worked with Joe Seeley. On the, and by, by the way, these cassette tapes are interspersed with Dexy's Midnight Runners because basically they've been taping the hits off the top 40. Yes. And then in, in between, uh, Les has been talking about his life. And and then, is this guy's a French teacher, you'll occasionally hear pupils doing a coute et repete um, all the way through this book. So it's by Tim Rich. It's called On Days Like These. Um, so that and Matt Magendi's Nazare, I would heartily recommend. When people record the top 40 yes. of the radio, it's always very insulting that they try and cut out the <laughs> and stop. They either edit out the DJ or they stop the recording before the, he says anything. I, I'd always wanted to ask you about that because that, that, it is something a cliche, isn't it? That everyone goes, oh, oh no, not the DJ. Oh, It's so rude <laughs> and insensitive. Yes, also, clearly. <clears throat> I'm just interested in what the links are about and forget the music. <laughs> yes, indeed. Why not? Uh, I would just, uh, I found that when, before we get to our favourites from, yeah. from this year, I found that the book's that I was reading maybe deliberately, although subconsciously, have been non-fiction books. Yes. So uh, I will not speak at, at length about them, but um, Rob Drummond has written a book. He's a linguist, and he's written a book called You're All Talk. And it's just a fascinating... I mean, I, I find language interesting anyway, and I wish I'd been a gifted linguist. I'd like to have studied linguistics. But he, it's about accents, really, and about how we judge other people about their voice without without even being judgy. We're judgy. Yeah. We have favourite accents, that we have uh, accents that we don't like. Um, we judge on class and all kinds of things. But also it, it explains why there are so many accents and why they're very important. And anyway, it's just I've, I found it absolutely fascinating. And that's called We're All Talk, Rob Drummond. Is it? So when he's talking about language, he's talking about English. Oh, when he's, well, he's talking about accents, clearly, isn't he? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some other stuff, but mainly it's maybe uh, it's English. And Americans are always amazed how many different accents there are in such a small island. So true. You know, but if you go up the if you go yeah. up the motorway, you suddenly realise that you're in a different county by the fact that the person behind the counter is talking to you in an entirely different way yeah. to the person behind the counter, like fifty miles down the road. Uh, there is a book you mentioned. Is it Tim Rich? You mentioned? Tim Rich. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dave Rich. I don't know if they're um, related. Wrote a book called Everyday Hate: How Anti-Semitism Is Built Into Our World and How You Can Change It. And it's one of those books that you really go, well, I knew some of this and I had absolutely no idea about all of it. And um, it's utterly compelling um, and explains how 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 every day anti-Semitism is, is so common. And the fact that it is everywhere and the fact that conspiracy theories are everywhere and all conspiracy, almost all conspiracy theories end up by being about the Jews, essentially. That, you know, you might say, well, it's, it's, the, it's the blob. Yeah. Uh, it's the metropolitan elite. It's mm. globalists. You know, mm. it's George Soros. Oh, right. OK, let's yeah. narrow this down uh, just a little bit. But he does talk about how and this is this is true, and I hadn't thought of this, how modern-day examination of 
uh, Jews in drama is different. So, for example, in Peaky Blinders, Tom Hardy's character, Alfie Solomon, yes. is very, very Jewish, Correct. but not in the way that that character would have been portrayed 30 years ago, yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, uh, but also, you know, uncomfortably, he does point out that the English were the first to expel Jews, first country in Europe to expel Jews. Uh, the English invented the blood libel and was the birthplace of Sherlock and Fagin. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot mm. to sort of uh, to take on board. And the other book that I've enjoyed is Politics, A Survivor's Guide by Raphael Baer. Oh, yeah, I remember you talking about this. Yeah, yeah, he's written yeah. about um, his three decades of political reporting. But what makes it intriguing is that he ties the toxicity of recent politics to the fact he had a heart attack and... Um, how he how 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 he has recovered, and how he has recovered his interest and love of politics at the same time. So he's using it, his personal health uh, as as a metaphor, uh, really. But very very interesting. And if you are the kind of person that switches off the news because you just can't bear any yeah. more toxicity, then uh, Raphael Bear's uh, Politics a Survivor's Guide. Also, on the subject of surfing, Tim Winton's um, uh, wrote a book called Breath, which I interviewed him for back in the day of Five Live, which is he's, you know one of Australia's greatest writers. Maybe he's Australia's greatest writer. Um, but uh, that's a fantastic book about surfing really? as well. Really? Okay. Yeah. Is it non-fiction or no, no, it, no, no? It's, no, it's fiction. Oh right, okay, right, yeah, no, Thanks very much. Yeah. Anyway, so there's some uh, recommendations, but uh, we've had so many great authors. It's worth spending a little bit of time with them. Uh, do I, 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 do I know your favourite book of the year so far? Because I uh, think it's the same as mine. That's all. Oh well, that'll be interesting. I mean, well, right. Well, you tell me. What's your favourite book of this year that we've done on this? S. A. Cosby's. S. A. Cosby. It's the same as me, then. Yeah. 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 Oh, how disappointing! <laughs> well, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my mind then. Yes. Yeah, so uh, S. A. Cosby, all the sinners bleed. When we did him down the line from somewhere in the states, and he'd clearly been out having a good time. Yeah. The night before. Yeah. Um, but any other favourites from our from from, from, our from that list? I mean, David McCluskey's uh, Damascus Station. That was uh, th we did that early on, and I was thinking, goodness me, the the uh, the bar is going to be very high because I really really like that book. Um, so that uh, yeah, All the Sinners Bleed by S. A. Cosby, I think, is superb. Um, what else did I really love? Um, Louise Doughty's book, uh, A Bird in Winter. I'm a big fan of that. I noticed yes. that basically <clears> I, <throat> I, I really enjoyed it and I thought, am I only interested in spy books this year? But I'm, uh, but uh, All the Sins Bleed isn't spy, but Damascus Station definitely is. Um, and Daniel Finkelstein's book as well. I really, really um, love that. So Hitler, Stalin, Mum and Dad. I think that's... Elisa Jules, None of This Is True is worth mentioning just because as soon as you start to think that none of this is true. Mm. It's very, very unsettling. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which is quite a challenging place to write a book from. But anyway, they've all been um, fabulous. And regular listeners to the podcast, particularly the Q&A episodes, will know that we always ask our guests which book uh, they have really, really enjoyed reading. And we've had some brilliant suggestions this year, and we thought we would share a few. Yeah, um, so uh, best-selling crime author um, Steve Kavanagh, came in uh, in August uh, to talk about his novel Kill For Me, Kill For You. And uh, it's fair to say, I think he wins the prize this year for uh, best selling of which books we should go out and buy because uh, his recommendation was so passionate 
and compelling that both you and I, yes. that very afternoon, went and bought the book that he that he was recommending. Um, and here's what uh, Steve Kavanagh recommended. There's a lot of books that I hugely enjoy. I think the last one that probably fits that criteria that I've finished is Shari LaPena's Everyone is Lying, which is um, her one of her recent uh, books. I think it's, it's not too long out. Um, Shari is a brilliant Canadian thriller writer. And in this book, uh, there's a man called William who is a, you know, it's a family man, but he is having an affair. And his, that affair is finished by the other party, much to his chagrin. And uh, he's a doctor. He goes back home early. And his daughter is in the house, and she shouldn't be home either. And there's a bit of a confrontation. He leaves the house, and then he finds out later on the daughter hasn't returned to the house. She didn't come home from school. Uh, and she is missing. But he was the last person to see her alive. And he doesn't want to tell the police or his wife that... He was having an affair and he'd seen her and had this confrontation. And it is such a brilliant premise and it makes you feel uncomfortable and you're kind of shouting at the book almost <laughs> in the opening pages. Uh, Shari is uh, the one of the modern masters of the psychological thriller. So if there's any of your listeners out there who like Lisa Jewell, who's also brilliant, Shari LaPena is a perfect choice. And that's Everyone is Lying. Everyone is Lying. Good, good title for a book where you're like, all right, straight away. We I think know. it's everyone yeah. here is lying. That would okay. be it. Yeah, uh -huh. brilliant. Um, I, I get a feeling I might already know the answer to this one, given the uh, the previous podcast. But is there an author that you will always read, no matter what they're publishing, no matter what they're writing about? You are picking up that book. Oh, there's quite a few. Mm. There's really is quite a few. Um, you know, James E. Burke, um, who we discussed the last time. Uh, John Connolly, um, I read everything that John Connolly writes, and he does. He writes the Charlie Parker crime series, but he also will go off and will will write. He wrote a, a biography of um, uh, Stan Laurel called He, which was great, um, and he, he's a brilliant writer. Uh, there is a fantastic American thriller writer called Robert Crace. Uh, I've seen you tweet about this guy. I was going to ask you about him. Robert Crace is probably already one of your favourite writers and you don't even know it yet. There you go. That's what you want on the cover. <laughs> so because um, before he started writing his novels, he wrote for TV. So And his credit list is just unbelievable. So he wrote for Miami Vice, Hill Street Blues, Cagney and Lacey. Wow. He is just an incredible writer and he writes the uh, Elvis... Cole and Joe Pike thrillers set in Los Angeles. He's a contemporary of Harlan Coben and Michael Connolly and those guys, and uh, he is an brilliant, brilliant writer. Actually, I was I recently was interviewed um, by a, a journalist, and he asked me for a recommendation, and I said, oh, "Read Robert Crace. Uh, start with L.A. Requiem." And he uh, emailed me a couple of days later and said, I read it in two sittings. I've now <laughs> bought the entire series. So um, Robert Crace, C-R-A-I-S, is a huge recommendation. Steve Kavanagh recommending Everyone Here is Lying by Shari Lupina, L.A. Requiem by uh, Robert Crace. And as Matt says, we uh, went out and bought them straight away. It was also because he recommended them just before holiday time. Yeah, he did. So thinking, yeah, yes, yeah. I could do with a couple of books. Yeah. The Shari Lupina book, Everyone Here is Lying, has been hoovered up by everyone in my family, basically. And because it is so addictive, uh, you kind of, you've read it in two or three. Even if you're not the kind of person that reads a book in two or three days, this may well be one of the books. Right, I've not read that one yet. The Robert Crace one I devoured, so I'm going to get that one next. Charlie Lepin is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and Robert Crace is, is, is terrific. And a, a crime writer I'd never come across before. 
But it's amazing the the number of his works that yes. uh, that are out there. Yeah. In June, we feature one of, uh, as it turns out, our favourite uh, books of the year, All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby from New York. Yes, he definitely had. You might be able to hear, actually, <laughs> yes. that he'd had a very good night out. Anyway, he was still on top form, and here's the book that he recommended. Everybody Knows by Jordan Harper. It's a book about celebrity and Hollywood crime and corruption in the uh, day-glow technicolor wasteland that is Los Angeles. It's a masterful book. It's an incredible instant classic. Uh, Jordan is probably one of the top three American crime writers of the last 15 years that not enough people know about. So, yeah, if you can get your hands on it, go read Everybody Knows. So that's Everybody Knows by Jordan Harper. That was S.A. Cosby's recommendation. Um, a best-selling novelist, Joanne Harris, uh, came into the studio in May, and this is what she recommended. It's interesting because I find that one of the unfortunate byproducts of being a writer is that when I read something, the writer in me very rarely shuts up. So it goes... Uh, there's an extra dialogue tag there, it could have been taken out, or uh -huh, this is a plot hole, or Meh, there's something wrong with this characterization, And it never, never shuts up, except when something is completely enthralling. And I think the last time I felt this, really, was with a book by Shelley Parker Chan called She Who Became the Sun. And I've just reread it, actually, because her new one is coming out and it's the, the next in the series. And it's, it's very rare that I actually pre-order books. I do it with a handful of authors and she has turned out to be one of them. And it's, um, it's a sort of historical fantasy set in 14th century China. And the heroine is from a dirt poor background and she and her brother have both had their fortunes told, or the mother has taken them both to a fortune teller, who has said that the boy will have greatness and the girl will be nothing. And then the parents are killed in the plague and the children are left alone and the son dies. And the girl decides to take his identity and therefore also his destiny and to become great. So she dresses like a boy, she goes off. It's, it's a very dark version of Mulan, but it's also incredibly addictive. Um, it's complicated, it's, it's morally complicated. It's, I don't know anything about 14th century China. Do you not? Not any well. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do now, but, obviously uh, we do. But I didn't. I didn't then, and uh, I mean, to me, the the historical detail is astonishing. But there's also there's more to it. It's also there is also fantasy beautifully woven into it in a an unexpected, beautiful lyrical way, and the language is gorgeous, and the characterization is complex, and I'm just so excited about the next one. Joanne Harris choosing Shelley Parker Chen's She Who Became the Sun. As Matt's mentioned, one of his favourites of the year is Damascus Station by David McCloskey, who got up incredibly early uh, to talk to us. And I remember we were looking at him on, on the screen and he's written this extraordinary book. He's, he was in the CIA, he was like a field agent, that kind of stuff. Fiendishly good looking. I think I yeah. don't quite believe this. This is just this central casting is working. Uh, anyway, here's the book that he really, really enjoyed reading recently. 
Michael Chabon, the Yiddish Policeman's Union. It is a highly ambitious novel. So he he got the Pulitzer, I believe, for writing yeah. a book called The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And the Yiddish Policeman's Union is one part kind of crime noir, um, one part speculative history. It essentially follows the adventures of a, um, a a Jewish investigator in Alaska. And the whole premise of the book is that rather than, you know, rather than the Jewish homeland having been established in Israel-Palestine after the war, it, it was established in Alaska. And so so the whole kind of state of Israel is is you know up in up in Alaska, and it, it sounds uh, like an insane book, and in some respects it is, but it is a beautifully written crime story, but also this kind of exploration of alienation and loss and identity, and I just thoroughly yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. So that's David McCloskey's recommendation, The Yiddish Policeman's Union by Michael Chabon. Uh, a book that gripped us this year, uh, Drowning, by the former flight attendant turned best-selling novelist T.J. Newman. Uh, we devoured this in a couple of days. And uh, when T.J. joined... The thing I'll remember from that interview is that both of us were convinced that the Help Me Jesus buttons were yes. real in the cockpit, and it turned out that T.J. She'd made them up. Made them up herself. Her name is Tori, as I remember, but she said, can you call me TJ? And we, and it, which we were more than happy to do. Uh, she joined us from uh, Arizona in June. And this is the nonfiction book uh, she recommended about composers. You know, I read a book recently called um, The Score. 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 I think it's just score. Um, that, that It was actually a nonfiction book. And it was um, a, a collection of interviews between film composers basically asking them, you know, about their process, their artistic process and how they write and how they, you know, tell a story through music as they're doing film adaptations and writing the scores for the movies that we all know and love. And it was one of the most illuminating and interesting books I've read in a really long time. And I read it because when I when I write, I try to... Um, I try to think of the story in terms of music, right? Because you don't have, unless you're, it's like heavy metal, you know, you're not going to have a song that's that's pounding, you know, the entire time. It's going to ebb, it's going to flow, it's going to crescendo and decrescendo. And I'm fascinated by trying to take that model of music and do that with a story. And so it was really an interesting, eye-opening thing to read, you know, these incredible composers do exactly that and describe how how they do it. TJ Newman recommending Score by Michael Schell. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Keep your recommendations coming, uh, by the way, because um, these are some of the books that we've been recommended. Um, but if you'd like to tell us your books of the year so far, ask us a question, make a recommendation, you can get in touch with us anytime you like. And how can they do that? They can get in contact by email, uh, as if anyone emails anymore, uh, booksoftheyear at yahoo.com. I like an email. Yeah, so do I. I still enjoy emails. Uh, we're also on Twitter, stroke X, stroke whatever you want to call it this week, at Books of the Year. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Threads, uh, at Pick Any Page. I've yet to pay, make any... Uh, pronouncements on threads other than to say I'm here and I'm on threads. I should do more, really. 
But um, it's easy to forget that it's there. Yeah, it I is think. slightly. But anyway, let's do more. We should do it's more. Resolve yeah, to yeah, do more. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, all of the books we featured this year are listed in our episode description, and you can listen back to any of our episodes for free, obviously, uh, whenever you like. Back next week with more top book chat. Thank you for listening. <laughs>